Well, today we want to briefly start something new and different and that kind of thing. We spent a lot of time in the book of Daniel. And, uh, you know, in a, on MSI, I, I'm always teaching <laughs> the, uh, from uh, the Torah, the prophets, the writings. And, you know, if you haven't been around long enough, you might think, does a guy ever teach something from the New Covenant? You know? Uh, I, although, if you've been around long enough, you certainly know that. And uh, so, um, you know, I uh, like to teach through books of the Bible, and over time we have gone through lots of them, not all of them, uh, some more memorable than others. Uh, but uh, today we're going to begin a little series on 1 John, okay? And you know, it's interesting how that works out. Some t- over the years, I will say it is not unusual for me to uh, give a message on something and then someone come up to me and say, you know, uh, on my way to work, I listened to so-and-so on the radio and they were teaching through the same thing. Or uh, I was reading on my own, uh, oh, you know, right from the same uh, thing. So um, it just so happens that of late I have been using this book as a way of, um, of, uh, of, of mentoring people, discipling people, and getting people to observe the text and understand what's going on. And then uh, I did not know this. So Jerry Husted uh, called me uh, yesterday morning and said, you know, in our uh, Shabbat school class, uh, we have uh, been uh, going through one John. And, uh, and asking me about, you know, uh, asking me about it. And I said, that's fantastic. You know, so it's kind of like, uh, it seems that the Lord has something for all of us uh, from this uh, little letter that's tucked away uh, toward uh, the end of uh, the new covenant. And let me just say this, you know, it's kind of like the minor prophets, uh, in the you know in the Hebrew uh, scriptures, uh, first of all, uh, someone decided to call them minor, so that communicates uh, all kinds of negative things uh, when you look at those books, right? Oh, they're minor, you know, uh, they're not that important, or they're short, short indicating lack of content or uh, importance, and of course, even sometimes the placement of books in the canon uh, is very interesting in that regard, especially when it comes to the New Covenant. You know, uh, not, uh, I don't have time to go into it now, but uh, it is very interesting when you read about the earliest order of the books in the New Covenant. Uh, let's just say they were not in the order that they are now, okay? Uh, and sometimes the order of the books Uh, as they have been ordered, was to communicate certain things. Uh, And I will just say this, that in the beginning, James did not come after all of Paul's letters. Did you know that? James came at the beginning, after the Gospels and the book of Acts. Wow! Why did they change it? Well, it got changed. That's all we'll say. Okay? Uh, And so then you have uh, also these letters of John. Do not get the idea that because they're kind of short or have the number one 
uh, uh, before one, two, and three as if they're like um, footnotes or something uh, uh, to the Gospel of of John. They are, or, or that they're close to the end. You know, they are very important letters that speak so much into the culture in which uh, we live. Now, probably uh, these little letters of John 1, 2, and 3 uh, were written after uh, the Gospel of John was written by the same person, uh, John, but afterwards. And some have surmised that uh, as a result of the Gospel of John, uh, uh, some people read it and twisted what he was saying uh, about who Yeshua was, and so he needed to clarify it. That could have something to do with it, uh, but most likely, First, uh, Second, and Third John were written to either one group of people or a community of people, probably in Asia, what's called Asia Minor, or a certain part of uh, Europe, uh, north of where Israel is, if you look on a map there. Uh, and uh, uh, most likely uh, for three basic reasons, okay? Most likely for three basic reasons that we can discern from the text. That there was a question that people were having from some bad teaching that they were receiving about the reality of the physical life of Yeshua. Was Yeshua a real person? Uh, and evidently, some were teaching that Yeshua was not a real person, and we'll get into that. Another reason why this was written is because evidently, there was some bad teaching going around uh, about the seriousness of sin, about whether either believers sin or don't sin, uh, or uh, that um, uh, no one sins, or that if you sin... Uh, as a believer, it's insurmountable, and there's no forgiveness after the fact. Uh, a wrong understanding of, of sin, okay? Uh, and then there was also uh, some bad, not only teaching, but bad modeling of those people who were disseminating this teaching of love toward the brethren, Okay? Uh, of love toward the brethren. Evidently, there was great uh, animosity that came on the part of those who were teaching the bad doctrine uh, toward those who were in these communities, and it resulted in those people bolting, leaving, and uh, uh, causing great uh, uh, tumult. Okay? Uh, that certainly uh, made me think, wow, what an illustration of uh, that kind of thing uh, that we had earlier uh, here today. Uh, and, and so that, one might say, is why uh, this was, um, was written, why these little letters were written. So, you know, in our world today, there is great, uh, especially in the Messianic Jewish movement, questions sometimes come. We, we attract people with uh, uh, people who sometimes are rejected by uh, you know, uh, from a, a church because what they believe is something errant in regard to the deity of Yeshua or the triunity of God. And so people figure, oh, that's a messianic group. They're, they're like it was at the beginning. And so we're going to go there because they'll get us. And then they find that we are 
Uh, we very much hold to uh, a very uh, a strong apostolic doctrine of, of uh, the faith, as do uh, many uh, uh, believers, uh, you know, uh, in our community. And that we, too, also reject teaching that questions the deity of the Messiah, uh, although we accept questions, don't get me wrong. Uh, but those who come with it, who desire to teach uh, an errant uh, view of uh, the nature of God, of who Yeshua is, uh, and so on. These letters were also probably written uh, quite late, uh, at the very end of his life. Uh, uh, perhaps the, uh, the latest books. Uh, there's also the Revelation as well that was written by John. So the New Covenant ends with these very last writings of John. See, the, uh, well, with Jude tucked in there as well. But you have uh, one, two, and three John, these letters of John written to uh, communities of believers that he certainly loved very much. We see by the terminology. And then uh, at the very end, uh, we have uh, Revelation. So he's writing to warn them and to encourage them. Okay? Uh, and that is, uh, as we'll see, quite clear from a number of, uh, of the verses. Uh, let me just say, for example, chapter 2, in verses 13 and 14, he says, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So that's a very strong statement about, you know, why he's written to them. And he's writing to them in a very rhetorical kind of way, uh, almost like in the book of Hebrews in certain respects. And we'll take that apart when we get there. He's saying, I know who you are. I know that uh, you know the Lord. And so I'm writing to you to encourage you. Because, you see, they were questioning themselves because of this bad teaching. Are we, are we wrong in our understanding Yeshua as a real person? Are we wrong in our understanding of sin? These people were pretty, pretty persuasive. So John is writing to them saying, I know who you are. You know the Lord. And so in that way, he is encouraging, encouraging them uh, in their faith. And so he writes that in a number of places that he's writing to them because he knows who they are. He knows what they're made of, and he encourages them in their faith. And then in other places, he writes about this, uh, this warning in, a verse, uh, in, this, in verse 26 of chapter 2. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Those who are trying to deceive you. So he is calling, uh, calling them out. And, uh, and so, uh, this is a great uh, letter of mentoring believers. And uh, we, uh, in just in the, in the world we live in, in 2016, uh, we face all kinds of opposition to Yeshua. Living in the Jewish community, we find all kinds of opposition to Yeshua. And then, living in the uh, community of Messiah followers, we sometimes are a magnet for people of false doctrine because they're rejected everywhere else and assume 
that uh, this is where they'll find uh, their, their uh, soapbox. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we're sort of like the last resort, uh, maybe, in that, res- in that regard. And so uh, we uh, have that uh, kind of thing that we deal with uh, as, uh, as well. All right. Now, there's a lot of things in this letter uh, that remind us of the gospel of, uh, of John. Uh, and that's a big reason why uh, we, uh, we believe that John wrote, wrote this. He talks about, you know, in the beginning, he uh, writes in the very same way about the purpose of writing uh, so that you might know that you have eternal life. And there's, uh, there's over 50 different relationships in these short five chapters that relate to the Gospel of John. So uh, uh, knowing that is actually helpful in understanding some of what he is writing. So let's take a look at the very beginning, at the first, um, at the first few verses, and let's uh, see what's happening here. So he writes, What was from the beginning, what we have, se- what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld, and our hands handled concerning the word of life. Uh, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Yeshua HaMashiach. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. All right. So first, there is something that uh, jumps out at us, that which was from the beginning. It kind of reminds us of in the beginning, right? In the beginning was the heavens and the earth, right? uh, God created the heavens and the earth back in Genesis. And then, of course, in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Both of those occurrences are talking about the beginning of create from the beginning of the history of mankind, the uh, the beginning of creation. And so, when he says, "What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen," this is interesting. There are some who would say he's talking about the beginning of the life of Yeshua. But may I suggest that what he's saying is, is the one who was there at the beginning. We saw in time when you know when he was manifested, but the one who was in the beginning, just as he wrote at the beginning of the uh, good news uh, according to John, there he's saying that in the beginning was the Word, and this Word who was at the beginning was made flesh, and so now he is testifying, saying. Not only is he proclaiming that, like in a theological kind of way, that the, that the one who was in the, the word that was in the beginning has made, been made flesh, he is now giving an eyewitness account saying, I was there, I saw him, I heard him, I touched him. Notice the words, right? Beheld him, our hands handled, manifested seen, heard, okay? Uh, 
he is saying that without a doubt, Yeshua was a real human being. This one, you know, who is now at the right hand of the Father, the one who is the word of life. The one who is eternal life. We really saw him, knew him, spoke to him, heard him, touched him. Why does he need to say that? Because the incarnation or the enfleshment of Yeshua was scandalous to everybody. For the Jewish world, it was scandalous that a man should be identified with God. Primarily, a man should be identified with God. In the Greek world, it was scandalous that God should be identified with a man, primarily. Because you see, in the Jewish world, of course, uh, God created man in his own image, and how could man ascend to be a God? Uh, The scripture even talks about how no man can become a God, and that was, on the surface, how the Jewish world understood Yeshua, and so therefore found that to be quite scandalous. In the Greek world, it was, how could the perfect being, the, you know, the, 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 the perfect being become or take the form of a human being? Because, because matter was inherently evil, and the goal is to uh, lose any sense of humanity so that we could enter into like this perfection. So either way you look at it, going either direction was scandalous and to uh, these communities. Now, what we know is, of course, is that Yeshua, the man, did not become a god, right? And what we also know is, is that the, the perfection of God did not leave the heavenlies and then become a human being, like lower himself in that way. The enfleshment uh, of God is this uh, supernatural, one-time, miraculous event where, the na- where in the nature of God, in the essence of God, uh, as we understand in human terms, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Son was, uh, was born into this world uh, in a supernatural, natural way, right? Uh, in that Miriam became with child, became pregnant, and gave birth to Yeshua. How can that happen? That's the difference between God, uh, between God being the creator and us being the creator, because nobody can understand how that happened. How did God part the waters of the sea? How did Sarah have a baby? Can you explain it? No, you can't explain it. There may be some kind of uh, issue maybe with the parting of the waters and the rotation of the earth, but you have to go a long way to try to prove it, you know? But if we believe that God is indeed above the heavens and the earth and he can do miraculous things, then we can explain it that, that he caused this to take place. When we ask the question, not how did he do it, but why did he do it, the text is quite clear. He, he, he uh, did the miracle of parting of the waters for the redemption of the people to be able to leave Egypt. Why uh, did Yeshua come in the, uh, in, as the enfleshment of God? To redeem us from bondage. Uh, and he taught it in his life. 
He lived a perfect life. He died for our sins and he rose from the dead. You see, he had to be a human being because the goal of God is not to remove humanity from this world that we should all just be these nebulous beings floating around somewhere. But he sent Yeshua for the redemption of the world. That's why we read, going all the way back, most specifically into the prophets, and in Isaiah, we read about a new heaven and a new earth. And we read about a restored humanity. And we read about graves being opened. The goal from the beginning is a humanity that truly reflects the image and likeness of God. Sin has marred it, and God has redeemed it through Yeshua. That's why he had to be a real human being, so that he could be raised from the dead as a, as a glorified human being, the beginning of the restoration of this world. And so those who would say, who were teaching, that Messiah could not have been Yeshua, because Messiah could not have been a human being, that then calls into question his death his physical death, and his resurrection, and the meaning of them. And so, therefore, uh, John is writing to make sure that they know that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah of Israel, who is the king, the physical king of Israel, who is the redeemer of Israel, and is the beginning of that restoration. And, uh, and what we're going to do is stop right there. And next time we will continue with understanding uh, not just the terms beheld, handled, and the like, but we want to understand how he uses the word, the word of life and eternal life uh, in this text. And so uh, there we go. And we, like his readers, can be encouraged because we were not there, we were not present, but we have eyewitness testimony that he was there and he knew the real Yeshua. And what we know of Yeshua comes from the likes of John, as well as Matthew, Luke, and Mark, and the, uh, the apostles. And so we can rest assured that the word is indeed true, that the Messiah has come, and indeed his name is Yeshua. And they saw him, they were with him, they saw him in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. And so we can embrace that truth and know that we have life eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, uh, for this word. And uh, Lord, we do pray, God, that uh, we would indeed uh, have that assurance and uh, that we might, uh, whenever anyone tries uh, to teach us differently, that we might always bank on the word, Lord, as understood by those who originally gave it to us. And Lord, we thank you that we have indeed that testimony, and that testimony is true. And we pray in Messiah's name.